Hi, it's Matt. Just before we start the show, I want to tell you about a great live event I've got coming up on the 27th of March. To celebrate 600 episodes of Recruiting Future, I'm going to be hosting a live Ask Me Anything webinar. This is your chance to pick my brain on anything you like, including market trends and predictions, the impact of AI on recruiting, skills-based hiring, the changing role of recruiters, podcasting tips, or even my favourite Scottish tourist destinations and whiskies. Literally, ask me anything. I'll also be joined by some surprise special guests who'll be adding their perspectives to the conversation. You can sign up now by going to mattalder.me slash AMA. That's mattalder.me slash AMA. And I really look forward to seeing you there. That web address one last time. mattalder.me slash AMA. Support for this podcast comes from Averture ATS, an applicant tracking system that redefines user experience for candidates, recruiters and hiring managers. Just listen to one of the many ways in which L'Oreal USA has improved their hiring process with Averture, as told by Edward Dias, Director of Recruitment Intelligence and Innovation. Since we've been using Averture ATS globally, we have been able to massively improve our communication rate with candidates during and following their application. Uh, Before over a million people worldwide would never get contacted. Um, But with the smart automation and flexible processes, we've been able to change that. And that's been a huge achievement. Visit avature.net, that's A-V-A-T-U-R-E dot net, to learn why global market leaders like L'Oreal choose Avature to extend the candidate experience from shoulder tap to first day. There's been more of scientific discovery, more of technical advancement and material progress in your lifetime and mine than in all the ages of history. Hi everyone, this is Matt Alder. Welcome to episode 133 of the Recruiting Future podcast. When we were researching our book, Exceptional Talent, it became really clear that boomerang hiring and proactive alumni relations were areas of massive untapped potential for the vast majority of employers. My guest this week is Lee Carraher, founder and CEO of PR and influencer marketing agency Double Forte. Boomerang hiring and alumni relations have played a huge part in the success of Lee's agency. So much so, she's actually written a book on the subject called The Boomerang Principle. Enjoy the interview. Hi Lee and welcome to the podcast. Matt, thank you so much for having me. My absolute pleasure to have you on the show. Could you just introduce yourself and tell everyone what you do? Sure. My name is Lee Carraher. I'm the CEO and founder of a public relations and influencer marketing firm in the United States, based in San Francisco and New York. And my other job is writing books and uh, consulting and giving um, speeches about culture and how to build great teams that are cross-generation based on my own experience of failing miserably and then sort of cracking the code on it. 
So your latest book's called The Boomerang Principle. Yes. What's The Boomerang Principle? Tell us about it. Sure. The Boomerang Principle is that those organizations that allow and encourage former employees to return to them have a strategic advantage over those that don't. In a nutshell, that is the principle. What is that strategic advantage? The strategic advantage is all on culture, is all on the t- on, on the leg up on talent and recruiting. So today we imagine, we know, actually we don't have to imagine at all, we know that people do not plan to stay in organizations um, as long as perhaps we'd like them to for a, lot, a whole host of reasons. And we're always upset when they leave on their schedule, not on our schedule, right? (laughs) So, uh, and for the millennial and Gen Z um, audience around the globe, they are not anticipating staying long in a job. However, when you have created a place that people want to return to, you have created a place that people have a hard time leaving. And if you can keep a great employee one extra year than their plan, you have advanced your company, you have saved yourself money, and you have created a a very positive culture. So every time you have a place where people are, you know, look to return to for their careers, um, you are in a strategic advantage in terms of profit, in terms of recruiting, and in terms of partnership uh, opportunity in the in the market that you're in. That's really interesting. And, um, you know, I've done a sort of lot of work myself, myself looking at, um, you know, employee experience and, and culture. Um, and, and sort of boomerang hiring and uh, alumni relations is, is always a big part of that. But it seems that that many organizations don't have a plan for it or don't know how to do it. Um, you know, why is that? Is, is, it, is, it, is, it, is it too difficult or is it just not on people's radar? I think it's um, a carryover from an older point of view, which was, you know, if you leave me, you're dead to me, uh, which is so short-sighted. Um, we cannot imagine in today's ma- world where AI and machine learning and technology is changing all of our careers that we could keep people in our companies as long you know, for their whole careers at all, and we can keep them interested. But we can obviously imagine that people would be um, useful and valuable to us many, many times over a 40, 50, 60 year career, which is where we're all headed. So I think the old idea of, you know, you leave me, you're dead to me, I'm never going to have you back is sort of lingering. Also, the idea from the baby boomer um, generation, which I am the last year of, where there were just so many of us we didn't have to really worry about it. <laughs> there were a lot of people. Uh, and the dynamic of today's younger workforce is uh, could not be more opposite than the boomerang, uh, the boomer, sorry, the boomer um, philosophy of career. So uh, we're just not ready for it. I think the other piece is that, um, uh, you know, those companies who have done it, who have put resources, and you actually don't need a lot of resource to make this work, are reaping the rewards, not just in boomerang employees coming back to them as uh, employees, but also in partners, in clients, in in business development. Um, and, you know, if we can get past the old mindset and get to the new mindset, which is why aren't we focusing on keeping people loyal to our companies? for their whole lives, not just when we pay them, because by definition, that's not loyalty, that's a transaction. Um, we need, if, as soon as we do that, the world opens up to all of us amazingly. 
this is obviously something that you've 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 sort of done yourself in 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 practice in practice um how should companies go about doing it what you know what works and also perhaps what doesn't work when uh, when you're sort of looking at this kind of approach i think the first thing you need to do is create an alumni network for yourself that you manage you know on linkedin there are no shortage of sort of alumni groups that are run by rogue former employees uh, disgruntled or not um, and so you're not doing anything, not doing any of yourselves any favors if you're not creating an environment where your employees can't, your former employees can't be a part of. So first is to create an online corporate alumni network. And for companies, you know, there are several um, systems that you can do off the shelf um, that you could employ. And I think those are probably good if you have at least 500 um 500 former employees, alumni, anything under that, you could use Facebook, um, Facebook groups or work groups. And that's a private network that you can control who comes in um, and what the activity is. But the idea is that one, you keep them connected to you. So as they leave, the, assuming that they are an employee you would want to bring back, as they leave your organization, you are welcoming them, them into the alumni network. You send them an email, you send them uh, an invitation to this online network, um, and you may, some people give them a t-shirt, right? Alumni <laughs> kind of thing. But you have this idea of continuity that the, some that someone will be in relationship with you and your organization for much longer than you are paying them. So that's the first piece. The second piece is sort of honoring your alumni over time. So why would you want to join this network? Well, the network is um, beneficial for personal and for prof professional reasons. And much like a university has a commonality of culture, of experience, um, corporations and organizations have a commonality, uh, a, a, even a language of what that means. And the more we find those meaningful connections, um, either in our personal or our professional life, you know, sort of the richer opportunities we have. What you should not do is count on someone else to do this for you. You should put some resource against this. And this can just be in, this can be in the communications department. This can be in HR. In general, if you think about your employees as a communication audience, and then your customers as the next one, I like to think of the former employees as actually the second ring, your own employees, your former employees, then your customers uh, as the ring of communication there. So you can, um, the things that you would tell your employees, you just sort of clean up from the things that are, are confidential and you can share with your former employees. The best program in the world is McKinsey's. And McKinsey, what they do, they have in every office in the world for McKinsey, they have at least one person dedicated to their alumni. And of course, their business model is predicated on this, right? You go to McKinsey, you get a job, you hire McKinsey, you know, basically this kind of thing. But they are amazing at this. So they have a private network. They host all their research that they do goes to their alumni network second, right? Uh, and host bi-monthly, every other week, they host a web webinar on the research that's coming out of their institute or something like that. And this is a way to keep the information that McKinsey is generating from their consulting, you know, sort of in the family and propagated. Um, they host... Uh, they have a, a monthly email that goes out to these people. They have... Um, 
you know, quarterly events around the world. So they're keeping people uh, close to them. And when they have an opening in their own organization or in a client's organization, they post it there first. Well, wow. If you post the job there first, before you even call an outside recruiter, someone will go, Matt, you might say, Matt, oh my gosh, I just met Lee. She would be great for that job. And you have shortcutted, um, you shortcutted the time and you've totally saved money. So for my own company, we have it in, my company is almost 16 years old. We have about 75 to 80 alumni and we're a small company and we have ours on Facebook. So I post all jobs on Facebook in our Facebook work group first, our private network first. And we have cut our recruiting costs uh, by about 50% and we've cut our recruiting time by months. So every single time we do that and then if someone sends us a person, we Ben, we actually bonus that person. We send them a check in the mail um, at the same check that we would send our current employees, because why wouldn't you? Uh, I want to come back and actually talk about the the recruitment process in a second, but just to um, sort of run with this sort of um, content theme at the moment so um, building up an alumni network using an appropriate platform um, you sort of gave the example of um, you know McKinsey's who obviously have this kind of in the the DNA of their organization um, what about you know companies who have never done this before or, or don't have that type of content um, you know other than job openings and the sort of latest corporate news um, you know what what works in content terms for for, for sort of keeping those alumni networks flowing so first, if you haven't got a program, uh, you know, give yourself a break and start one. It's easy, right? Um, it's easy just to decide and you don't have to like get everybody who ever came through your company into the network tomorrow, right? Give yourself a, a, a year of runway, if you will. Uh, first, you want to um, decide on your platform. And I do, if you have over uh, 500 people, um, and I can send these to you, Matt. There are several off-the-shelf programs that you can use. I wouldn't build my own unless you have that capability because you have to maintain it. Um, who are those people? Where are they? Are you connected on LinkedIn? So on your management team, everybody identifies 10 people that they would love to work with again who came through their organizations. And so if you have 10 people in your management team, you ask them 10, you already, you have 100 people. And you go you go and ask them. So you create the environment and then you send an email welcoming them to the uh, alumni program. Um, the In the content then, what are you going to be giving to people? Like what are you going to be offering to people so they would bother to be part of your alumni network? Um, one is the ability to connect with each other, obviously. So in Facebook, you would see who's in the group. Uh, in any of these programs, you would see who's in the group. Two is you would have corporate updates. Here's what we're all about. And here's what we're doing. Oh, and here, if you can, if it makes sense, and here's a here's a discount for you as a former employee. Three, you would be giving um, training that you're offering to your employees. And then four, really important, this is probably the most important thing, is you'd be on a regular basis, so monthly basis, you'd be highlighting one of your alumni. So Matt, you used to work for me. Now you have your own company. You have this fabulous podcast. I'm going to dedicate um, a post to you. Let me tell you about Matt, who was at Double Forte for you know five years ago, and he left here as a account 
whatever supervisor. Um, and he's gone on to do this wonderful thing. Um, and here, you know, and I would have a form, basically a, an interview form that I would send to alumni the way they'd upload their photo and give me some bio information. And maybe I talked to them and I would post about my alumni and I would do that on a monthly basis. So that's, you know, if you do it once a month, it's 12 profiles out of a hundred people who cares, right? <laughs> so it is great content. It's great content, not only for your, your alumni, but it's also great content for your employees because every employee who comes to you wants to know what's possible by being employed by you. Like what is possible? If I come here, what could I, what would I, what would I, can I do? Not only what can I do in my own company, but what can I do after I pass through this company? Because there is not a person who's coming to your employment who's um, thinking, I'm 25. I'm going to be here until I'm 60. They're not thinking that, but they want to know what's possible. And if you can showcase your former employees uh, in the alumni work network so that they are getting that advantage, but also back into your company, you are uh, really building your equity around the value of employment at your organization. Fantastic. Some uh, some brilliant advice there. Um, coming back to the, uh, you know, recruiting and the recruitment process, um, you, you know, you mentioned that obviously you're getting a lot of, um, you know, referrals and, um, you know, but, but sorry, both boomerang hires and referrals from alumni, um, you know, coming into your organization. What do you offer a, a kind of a different recruitment process and a different candidate experience for, for people coming through that channel? For the people who uh, worked here before, uh, yes, we do. If people are interested in talking to us about a position that we post, they go right to the top of the line and they sort of they jump, they jump over any screening process, um, and they go right to the top of the line with the um, hiring manager, and they are so they don't have to do all that vetting. So they probably are, you know cutting three or four weeks out of that process, depending on where we are in the process. Um, it is not a done deal. Like if you just say you want to come back and you look like you, it's not a done deal that you get the job, but we want to have the um, preferential treatment to the people who have been with us before who are raising their hand so that we can have an, a good conversation about, does it make sense? Are they at the right end of the S curve, you know, for this new job? Are they just retracting? Oh, whatever the reason is they want to come back. And, you know, does it make sense at this moment in time? And sometimes it doesn't make sense at all. Uh, the person may not be happy in their current job, but the job we have open doesn't make sense for them or for us to take. But what we try to do is give that preferential treatment. So because they have already been here and we know that we would want them because if they're in our network, then they are boomerang eligible. Not everybody is, of course, you know, boomerang eligible. <laughs> So we do do that. If someone comes to us through a, an alumni person, we do um, fast track them to uh, for for we depending on the level of the person, we do fast track them for screening, so they would have um, a leg up on timing from somebody else. And of course, they're coming in with a, um, a you know an endorsement, which always helps because in the end. You know, everybody who used to work here, they know what we're looking for. They don't want to have a bad rep of, oh, my God, you sent me another dud. And therefore, we'd never talk to you. You know, we wouldn't take those duds again. Um, and people who have worked here before totally understand what we're looking for, totally understand our process. And they only send us, pe literally, I never had a person 
be referred to us that wasn't eminently qualified in multiple ways. We didn't weren't always able to take everybody because we had more people referred than we had positions, but never had had a bad candidate referred by a former employee. So uh, obviously, um, uh, you know, a key a key part of this is, um, you know, making people want to come back in the first place. So, um, you know, in order for them to return to an organisation, they, they've obviously had to have had a great experience while they were there and, and, and really kind of, uh, you know, buy into the brand of that organisation. Um, you know, what are, what are your thoughts on that? How, um, how, how, should, em- how should employers make sure that uh, people want to join them again in the future? High performing cultures, and you really have to put that high performing in there because, you know, give me a great culture and not get anything done. It's not going to bode well for your business, right? So high performing cultures are ones that, you know, hit their mark, have high expectations for performance, have high expectations for behavior among people, are highly respectful, and are cultures of context, so everyone knows what they're doing and why, and they're cultures of appreciation, so everyone understands not only what their role is, but that their role is appreciated over time. Um, when you have a culture of appreciation, context, and um, high performance and high, high expectations, you know, your company is probably hitting it, you know, you're probably killing it, actually, um, in terms of uh, the way you have teams performing together, uh, the behaviors that are happening in that organization. So when you go out into the world, and so you've come, imagine I've come to the company, I've, man, I've had a great opportunity here, and I want to change my career entirely. But I came here as a public relations professional, and I want to now be a podcaster. Well, we don't have podcasting here, so I've been on some podcasts, but now I want to be a professional podcaster. Well, I'm not going to do it here at my company, but you've opened my eyes to it. Um, I go out into the world and I become a professional podcaster. That is hard work. You are sort of alone in the world on that. Uh, You're talking to a lot of people, but you're sort of in a room with padding in it. I mean, seriously. Um, And you learn lots of things and then you become great at that over time. And then you're thinking about, oh, what's next? Um, Oh, I think I want to do whatever, you know, maybe what I can do is marry my podcasting experience with the public relations experience, and you think, oh, that's a good opportunity now, time has passed, where I went, where I was before, uh, has this opportunity. And I think that, you know, one is, depending on your time in your life, you might say, I can go sell this idea to my former employee, employer, or I can look out else in the world. And I think what we find is that people will highly value a former good experience as they think about advancing their career in a different way because the shortcut that you have with people around culture and no even knowing where the bathrooms are is great when you are at the bottom of an S-curve of learning for a new position. Um, <clears throat> if it wasn't a good experience, people won't even bother thinking about you. So um, it's not about, you know, you just focus on creating that good experience be open to having people return to you, and then you can, you know, um, you can leverage both of those things together. So, final question: you you know, you're you're someone who obviously observes and experiences and writes about work um, a lot. Um, lots and lots of talk about what the future of work might look like. Um, you know, what do you think we're in store for when it comes to work in the next um, in the next five years? How how, how are things going to change further? 
Wow. Well, things are changing so fast. There isn't a career that's not, or, you know, an industry that's not being upended by so many things, technical, AI, machine learning. And the, I've done a lot of reading in, in, about this lately. And I think that one is we need to make sure that we're all relevant. And l- the ability to learn is going to be highly prized, highly, highly prized. Um, the ability to understand the sort of the acceptance of constant change um, uh, is a non-negotiable today. And those people who are sort of don't want to learn new tricks are going to find themselves fast out of work. So one, and I think that AI uh, and machine learning, you know, a while it is, it's daunting and it feels like it's just coming and it's going to ruin all of our lives. I think that's very, that's mis misconstrued. AI is very good at very narrow applications. It is not good at very wide applications. Those things are connecting dots applications. It's good at managing a dot, right? Chunk all, you know, please manage all these transactions in Excel. You know, it's great at that. But it's not good at saying, okay, here's here's the result of all that transactions. Here's other information coming out of China. Here's the I don't give me some dots, right? And the human ability to connect dots is going to be more prized than anything else. So um, I think work is going to be more about learning. We are all going to have to be keeping ourselves relevant, not counting on our companies to keep us relevant. Uh, although those companies that do help us keep relevant are going to be have an advantage over those that don't. And sort of knowing that it's going to be different. Whatever you're doing today, is not what you're going to be doing in five years. <laughs> Lee, thank you very much for talking to me. Matt, it's been so great talking with you. Thank you so much for having me. My thanks to Lee Carraher. You can subscribe to this podcast in iTunes or via your podcasting app of choice. The show also has its own dedicated app, which you can find by searching for Recruiting Future in your app store. If you're a Spotify user, you can also find the show there. You can find all the past episodes at www.rfpodcast.com. On that site, you can also subscribe to the mailing list and find out more about working with me. Thanks very much for listening. I'll be back next week and I hope you'll join me. This is my show. How much do you understand the future of finance? I'm Jim Roos, a top 10 banking influencer and host of the podcast Banking Transform, where we dive deeply into the rapidly evolving world of banking and financial technology. Join me as I interview industry experts, thought leaders, and innovators as they unravel the latest banking trends, disruptions, and game-changing technologies reshaping the world of finance. Redefine your understanding of the banking ecosystem. Subscribe now to Banking Transformed, available wherever you get your podcasts and now available on YouTube.